0: was that uh, this place would become a well because the first watering point for ships that go around here I don't know if you know history of Mossel Bay this was a watering point for ships that would go around He spoke to us as a church that we would become a well He spoke to us about an inheritance, a promised land and I see before me a lot of young people which is so exciting and some older folk go to see the generations here Yeah, where's Kevin? Is Kevin Black here? Kevin the Gray. <laughs> Kevin, man. It's so good to have some of the guys that are with us serving Jesus. Still. I think he served kids for, for, 20, for 22 years. As I was looking at that clip, I was reminded of the fact that every single one of us have a promised land, we have an inheritance. We are sojourners. We are temporary residents here. We're we on our way through. And we need to live our lives in the light of eternity. We need to live our lives not holding on to life. I think a lot of the prophetic words that came tonight were, don't hold on to your life. And I'm trusting that just as I share tonight, that there will be some of the stuff that's loosened in you that will let go of the things that you may hang on to, the things that you're striving for, but there will be a fresh passion in your heart that will rise up to live out the fullness of God in your generation. That clip, I just thought of this quote as I saw that clip. Is, it encouraged me, and I'm trusting encouraging all of you. I wrote this down. Will you believe him who is invisible for that which is impossible? Will you believe him who is invisible for that which is impossible? This building you see here that we're sitting in did not morph and just land here. This building was birthed in prayer. We bought this piece of land, I think, around about two thousand and three, for fifty-seven thousand rand. Can you believe it? We had a prayer meeting on this land. Uh, on this land, um, it was open. There was nothing here excepting a tree that was in the parking bay, just on that side, which was a tree, dry. No fruit, nothing. It was dead. And as, we were, as we we're praying over this land of the highest point in, in, in Mossel Bay, besides the water, I think, the water tower, okay, the highest point in Mossel Bay, the Lord said, the stronghold is religion and, conserva- cons- and being cons- what? conservative, the, the spirit of religion. And we prayed, and we prayed that night. Where's Michael Herford? Where are you? I think you were here. Huh? You must have been here, Michael. Man, good to see you there, my friend. I don't know how long you've been up front on stage, but Michael was our worship leader. Michael, there's more for you, my friend. Do you think at the back there you need to be? I don't know if you have been, but I encourage you. There's something on your life, eh? Huh? Come on, there's a there's more of a well that needs to come out of you. Okay, I just. Um, and as we prayed that night, we prayed with fervor, I kid you not, this is real, okay? A wind, a storm came up. It was for about an hour. I can't remember what it was. It literally uprooted that tree and it landed on its head. I've got photographs of it to prove. I wish I, uh, I had them here for you. Literally, in prayer, the Lord said he's going to break strongholds of religion over this place and bring people into freedom. And yeah, I see people, I'm thinking, free. You're free to be what God's called you to be. And he has an inheritance birthed in prayer. The Lord spoke to me, us as a church. We were about 50 or 60 people. Some of the guys will know, those who are with us were the originals. Some of the originals are here. Some are in George. Some are <laughs> in the nation somewhere. Some are in Hartenbosch. Which is most exciting. But the Lord said to us, we are building a place for about two or three hundred, a little building. And the Lord said to him, building too small. The least of you will be a thousand. The least of you will be a thousand. I said, that's impossible, Lord. But he said, the least of you will be a thousand. And he said, okay, Lord, 60 of us will come up with five million. And we're going to build a building that's going to seat a thousand. And so we started a project. There was no plan B once we started. It was impossible. 2005, we started building. 2007, the 7th of the 7th, 2007, we moved in there. And here we are. Yeah, you are enjoying the prayer energy, the resource energy that's been poured over years and years, and years, and I'm delighted that you're here, but don't sit here, there's more, believe God for the impossible for your life, and for our lives together, and so for me, I'm wanting to stir a passion in you, there's a scripture, uh, Philippians 3, verse. sorry, let me, I did want to, okay, I'm a little behind, Sorry, my timer, sorry, I, didn't- I don't want, I'm setting a timer, here, okay, <laughs> Because I don't, I really, I don't want. To. <laughs> okay. So, this is not it. This is not it. I knew when the Lord spoke to me, the building, uh, that there wasn't a roof on ya. Those of you all who remember, there wasn't a roof on ya, and it seemed like, when is this building going to be completed? I knew. That this is not it. That I, when I had to move on, there was someone else that had to carry on the work. I had to pass on the baton. And in a way, today, I want to pass on the baton of inheritance to every single one of you. And you as a group. To believe, to take hold of, to get a, a, a conviction of, to take what God is doing, what God is going to do, and on. To the nations and to generations. That's how we build. Healthy New Testament churches in the nations. Get your passports ready. Yes. All of you. Um, I won't say get vaccination or not right now, okay? I'll stay out of that. But get ready. Get ready. God wants to use every single one of us. And some of you are thinking, some of you think it's impossible. You're sitting in the reality of the impossible, yeah? You're sitting in the, in the realm of the impossible. Because that's who God is. <laughs> that's who God is. Not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Are you pressing on to take hold of that, the inheritance that we share together? You see, passion is a choice. It's not a personality type. Hello? Hello? We choose to be passionate about God, about His ways, about His will, about His inheritance, and we need to press on for what God has for us. And I I want to stir your faith to believe, for you to believe in the God that I've learned learned to experience and stuff that I need to still live in more. There's a passion within me, there's a fresh passion. One of the things that the Lord did last year, many of you probably do know Will Marie, it came up a bit earlier on. Will Marie, when he passed away, there was just. I know there's always been a passion in my heart, and there's already, but there's a fresh stirring. There's a fresh stirring in what God wants to do in and through. Kim and I as a couple, that's good. Thank you very much. Okay. And so, how does this happen? How do we get this place of passion? So, we need to know this verse in Ephesians 3 verse 10. Many of you know it. His intent, God's intent was that now through the church, through you and me, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. So we need to know by experience the manifold wisdom of God. How is the manifold wisdom of God made known to principalities and powers? Let me tell you how. Simply, you open up your home and you show people the love of Jesus. You give of your resources and your gifts. You give a prophetic word and encouragement. You serve someone. You go serve in children's church. You, you get, get a heart to say, I want to go pray for the children. There's multiple ways that are, that are on the a passion, activate something what God has birthed inside of you, that you and I press on for, to that which Jesus took hold of us. The manifold wisdom of God. So God's got the manifold, the many faces, and I see many faces of your young people. I'm delighted about the school. But you are in the school, not by chance. You are in school not to enhance your future career, essentially. Essentially, you are there to show people what God is like. And oh, by the way, you're going to get an education and you're going to get a career. And you're going to have work, the work very, like it's work. But actually, in the workplace, we're meant to show people what God's like. And so, in our lifestyle, we reveal the manifold, the many-sided faces of God's wisdom and His love. Amen, you with me? So, how do we get this pursuit? I'm going to give you three quick things. For me, very quickly, I'm going to, uh, like a quick foundation, I'm going to give you three values that this church was built on. Three value, which is linked to the story with the well. There's a link. Okay. How does this passion, how did this passion start in my heart? Yes, a scripture here. I want to give it to you. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 3, it says, For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. Ascribe. Write down on my heart, Lord, what you're like. When you begin to see that God is great, you say, God, i want wanting you to write down who you are on my heart. Fill my heart. Ascribe your greatness. You write down your greatness in my heart. And then I'll be able to show people what you're like. It starts with the revelation of you and him an intimacy with the Father of knowing what God is like. And you say every day, Lord, today, as you have in your quiet time with the Lord, say, Lord, write down on my heart what you want me to do that's going to represent you well in my world today. Ascribing the greatness, re- allowing the Lord to be the scribe in your heart. Amen. You with me? Okay. So it starts with a revelation from God that He's great, that He's good. But not that He's just... He's good up there, but he's good here. Yeah. He's great, yeah. Allow him to ride on your heart. Jesus, when he, uh, when he talked about the taxes, and uh, remember, giving to Caesar to see what belongs to Caesar, and to God what belongs to God, the image of Caesar was on that coin. And so what, God was saying, what Jesus was saying, he says, if it's, give what belongs to Caesar. There's a tax that belongs to him. His face is on it. What belongs to God? Whatever his image is on, is his image on your heart? Is his image on your heart? When he inscribes his image on us, we're actually saying, we belong to you, Jesus, and everything I am belongs to you. We're on the altar. We're on the altar. Our lives don't belong to ourselves. We're sojourners. We, we walk with our lives open. Open. And a- allowing God to use us. And if God moves us on, he moves us on and we let go. That's what happened when Kim and I had to move on from, uh, from Muscle Bay. And that goes into the next uh, thing of how do we get to this place of passion, this, pas- this passionate pursuit of God. The verse here, uh, John 12 verse 24 says, I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. And I'm so grateful that the Lord called us to Mossel Bay. Because I look here and I see young faces and I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you and I see a picture of a plentiful harvest of changed lives, of transformed lives. We didn't have a, as I said just now, we didn't have a plan B. We sold our house when we left Port Elizabeth. We sold up and and gave up our lives. The kids were young, our children were small. We came here naive, not knowing what to expect. But I'd do it again. And again, and again, because what I see before me is a generation that I saw 22 years ago. That youth, I'm so excited for you guys. Come on, young guys. Yeah. Yeah. Woo! Yes. Okay. Oh yeah! Come on. Number three, Ephesians 2:10 says this. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ so we can do the good things He has planned for us long ago. You see, your and my inheritance are entwined together. It's not me and my plans. It's God's plans for us together. Let me tell you something. I think Steve alluded to it just a little bit earlier. Okay. So we Tim and I know Steve and Kathy from Port Elizabeth days. They came into the storehouse there, the church there. And we were were in that church from when it was infancy, from the church plant. They came and they were home group leaders and we were very much speaking to their lives at one stage. had a great relationship with them. They went to Cape Town. And what happened in Cape Town is they, because of their faith, with no kids, they started up the children's ministry just with their children. That's how Josh Jen was planted with Andrea. Was it 99 or 2000 that you went there? 99, the first year, they went there. Only children. There was a seed that died. The seed that died, and they planted. They said, we're going to stay. There are no other kids. This is not comfortable. In the meantime, we planted here. In the year 2000, the seed died and we planted yeah. Fast forward 22 years, or actually less because we've been leading for a while. How long have you been leading this congregation for? A year and a half. Fast forward 20 years. Kim and I now lead the children's work across all the congregations because of them. They are leading one of the congregations because of us. Our destinies are so entwined with one another. It's so exciting to see how God works things out. There's this very interesting scripture I was reading the other day. It's about Moses and Pharaoh. That's in the ninth plague. There's been a whole of God showing his power to Pharaoh. And this was the ninth plague. Uh, the, ninth, the tenth plague is about to hit them. And Moses says, we're going to let my people go so we can go into the desert to worship the Lord. And, uh, and, Ma, and the Pharaoh then says to him, you and all your children, he first says, only the men can go. They said, no, all of us go. And then next thing, next time there was a plague. And then a Pharaoh says to them, okay, okay, you can go, the men and the women and the children can go, but all your animals stay. Moses, to the most powerful man in the known civilization, Pharaoh, Moses, from the desert, you know, the man from the desert, the shepherd looking after sheep, (laughs) says to Pharaoh, he says something like this. He says, nothing, no one is staying here. Men, women, children, animals, sheep, livestock. He He says to Pharaoh, not one hoof stays behind. <laughs> Go read it. Not one hoof. He says, in fact, we're going to take some of your animals for the sacrifices. <laughs> Go read it. It's like incredible. At the end, he says this. He says, We must choose our sacrifices. You and I choose our sacrifices for the Lord our God from among these animals. The animals that Pharaoh has to give and the Egyptians have to give. And we won't know how we are to worship the Lord until... We get there. You see, you and I, the way we build is one day at a time. When Kim and I came to Mossel Bay, we had no clue what was, what was before us. We just lived, Eliza, out to Jesus. He has a sacrifice. We chose the sacrifice. What that looks like, I don't know. How it's going to work out. And to live one step of obedience at a time. Young people... Obedience, one step at a time. We don't know what the sacrifice is going to look like at the end. But this we do know. God had said, we go. And how it it happens, we know we're living for His glory. Amen? Okay, passionate. Okay, let the Lord describe His greatness on your heart. Lay down your life for Him. We are in this thing together. And we don't know what it exactly looks like in the end. But what we do know is we stand before the Lord and say, God, I want to be obedient to your voice. And so let's get on to the well. Now I'm going to, this was the well of Jacob, but I want to talk about Isaac, his dad. His dad. Okay, so uh, Genesis chapter 26, verses 23 to 25. So Isaac, the Lord is leading him to the promised land. I'm going to leave you with three principles tonight. That's hopefully is the baton that we held and we want to pass on of the values of the lifestyle. From here, this is Jake. From there, sorry, he went up to Beersheba. That night, the Lord appeared to him and said, "I'm the God of your father Abraham." It's inscribed on his heart who God was. Do not be afraid, for I'm with you. I'll bless you. And will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. And here it is, the three things. Isaac said, sorry, and Isaac built an altar there, number one, and called on the name of the Lord. There he pitched his tent, number two. And number three, there his servants dug a well. If we're going to live in the inheritance that God wants for us, we need to build an altar. You need to pitch a tent. You need to dig a well. So, building an altar. Right, I want you to visualize. I want you to visualize what, what Isaac had to do, what the guys had to do in those days. They had to take rocks and they had to start building an altar. One rock at a time. Precept upon precept. Bible. Devotion. The Word of God, work, discipline. Get the picture? Hide the Word of the Lord in your heart. This church was built on the Word of God. Both what was preached and what God prophetically spoke over this church. We have, I think, three or four files thick of the prophetic words. We had a prayer meeting which we called Powerhouse. Michael, Remember? Who else was with me? I mean, Kevin. Anyone else? The other son. There you are. Wonderful to see you. Okay. Well, lucky to see you, son. <laughs> okay. And they will know every Wednesday night for ten years, excepting for holidays. For ten years, we prayed. We prayed. We had a, we had a, a gentleman. His name was Robin Wright. British couple. He literally listened to the recording and typed out word for word every single prophetic word that was spoken over this church, over individuals, words over us, over leaders, over people. They're like files like this, recorded. This church was built on the prophetic. Right there, that corner underneath, you will not see it in the very foundations of this church before any concrete any concrete was thrown. Right in that corner, we, we put the Bible. Before they started to throw concrete, we put in the foundation of this church. We put in a Bible. This church is going to be built on the Word of God. We put a, we put in a gold ring. This church is going to be built on the everlasting covenant. This is a covenant God that's going to go from generation to generation to generation. We put a seed, a seed of the gospel that will grow and grow and produce a harvest of of lives changed. We put a a red cloak in there representing the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And then we ask people, bring names of people that that you're wanting to be saved. And we're going to put it in there which represents the people that you want to see saved through this church. And they poured concrete on it. Lots of concrete, lots of steel. This building can go six stories up. Did you know that? (laughs) Strong. This church was built on a good foundation of the Word of God, precept upon precept. How's your devotion time, young people? How's your devotion time? Older people, we get used to the things. Do you encounter the Lord in your quiet time? Whether it's a chapter, whether it's a verse. Don't just know about God. You know God. You're saying, Lord, inscribe your word, who you are on my heart, so that I become part of your story. Hello. Hello. <laughs> All of us, God wants us to be part of His incredible, incredible story. So there's this you built, so this altar was built, but the altar could not stay there, just as rocks, pile of rocks. There to go, something had to go on the altar and they had to go on the altar. And that's you and me. Romans 12, verse 1-2 says, Therefore, because of God's incredible mercy, lay down your lives as a living sacrifice to God. This is your spiritual worship. This is your spiritual worship. We give our lives. We're on the altar. And what does that look like? looks like passionate, passionate worship, persistent prayer, and a persevering faith. Let me read those three out to you. The sacrifice, the result of a sacrifice is persistent in prayer, passionate in worship, persevering in faith. These are the foundations. And so there's a sacrifice. you have the altar that's built, the discipline, and then our lives placed on the altar. The Lord spoke to me a year before we moved. Went through a very difficult time. Some of you have been in Monster Bay for a while. Know that there's an incredible drought about 2008 to 2010. Those of you who uh, remember it was the worst drought in over 100 years. And because of the drought, many lost their work. It was uh, uh, people had to leave, young people had to leave, older folk. It was a difficult time for us at church. And we're sitting here uh, in this building and worshiping in there, wondering, Lord, how can this be? How is this going to be finished? How is it going to be completed? Little did I know that God always got a plan. He's got a plan A. And the Lord told me that day, that day when I was wandering and for having this battle. Fortunately, he didn't break my hip. But he said to me, this church is your child, eh? like your child. I said, yeah, this church was birthed in my heart. We've been here nearly, we've been, been here 10 years. And he said to me, Will you put your child on the altar? Will you put Isaac on the altar and see how I provide? Yes, Lord. And look. Look what's happened. I know it's worked out slowly, but man, I'm overjoyed. (laughs) Overjoyed. Amen. Uh, I'm so glad I attempted something in the impossible for the Lord. I am, because I look back and say, God, it wasn't me. You did something incredible, you know, and God, somehow, Takes us out the picture so that he looks great, and we need to be those that lay on the altar. And then, what happened with these memorial stones? They weren't just there as to bold, just that they just an altar to see. There was a sacrifice, but those altars weren't ever broken down. Those altars were used as memorial stones for generations to come and generations to come, so they could look back and see what the Lord did. This is our promised land. This is what the Lord did. And tonight, I think in some of the prophetic words, tonight is almost like one of those moments where we can look back. Where I'm, where I'm trusting, I'm giving you a glimpse of what the Lord has done in through us. And that you, it will motivate you to think, I want to build an altar here so that generations to come will see what God has done. My life laid down, but there's something that God did here. Amen? Amen. Amen. Will you give yourself to the Lord? Amen. Will you lay down your life for Him? Man, it is so worth it. I would, I've, I've, we made quite a few errors and mistakes along the way. That's what it is. That's what someone who hasn't done church plant, I don't have a theological degree of any kind. But the Lord uses the normal people that love Jesus. (laughs) But no regrets. Mistakes, many, but no regrets. Live your life with no regrets. Live your life with no regrets, man. I'll learn from my mistakes, but I won't regret ever what I did. As I said just now, I'll do this again, and again, in obedience to the Lord. The second thing is you pitch a tent. You pitch a tent. So the one is we build an altar of worship where we give our lives to the Lord, where we where our lives of worship become a life, a witness. Worship becomes witness that people from generation to come can see their last holder to Jesus. Last holder to Jesus. I'm looking at that lighthouse, so that lighthouse on the back there. Says, but there's such a prophetic thing what God did here many, many years ago. It spoke about this church being a lighthouse, a shining light to the nations of the world. Did you know, for free, there's a, there's a thing called a Fresnel lens. I'm right off top. Fresnel lens that are, that's in a lighthouse. That takes light, refracts it, vertical light, magnifies it in a horizontal. That's what it does. So when you read the Bible and you want the manifold witness of God made known, you read it, you ask for illumination, you ask for the light of the Lord to come and reveal himself to you, and then you reflect it, and you stop ships from going on the rocks. And you guide ships, and you show them what God is like. Anyway, that was for free. (laughs) Not there, okay. So you pitch a tent. And pitching a tent speaks of family. Speaks of family. And I'm going to take a sip of water quickly. Do you want to see time wise? Oh, I better. Okay, I'm going to let Pitch a tent, build family, and family starts with understanding that you belong, understanding who Jesus has called you to be, what Jesus placed on your life, that Jesus calls you a son and a daughter. That's where it starts. You belong in God's family. I've told the story, some of you might have heard it, about two or three years ago, uh, my youngest uh, grandchild, Harper. Um, it was, uh, we only had one grandchild at that time. There was this kind of such a woozy kind of love for her. I don't know what it is. It was like, wow. And one day I asked the Lord, it was in a time of worship, we were busy with the worship team. I said, Lord, why is it that I feel so woozy love for my grandchild? And I heard this distinct voice of the Lord say, uh, say to me, you love her so much because you see your son in her, Let me tell you something. The Father loves you because he sees his Son in you. You belong. That's who you are. And he says there needs to be an expression, understanding you belong in a family. It's not just about me and Jesus. It's about me and us together. You belong in the family. You pitch your tent. You serve one another. You submit to one another. You commit to one another. Uh, you're vulnerable. How vulnerable are you in your relationship? I'm just going to land some of these very quickly. How open are you in your relations to building a sense of community, a sense of togetherness, a sense of unity, a sense of one heart, one mind, one purpose? This is what you endeavor to build, a family, a family that loves one another. Family that forgives easily. If you are unable to forgive each other, if you hold an offense, how can you make the manifold wisdom of God visible? Man, I remember when we moved. uh, We moved just recently. Well, no, it was, was, we're not saying recently, about eight years ago. Actually, five years ago, we had people come and help us, buckies and boxes and carrying boxes and moved and putting stuff and just serving and loving us. Some of you, I'm sure, have experienced that. And I felt the Lord say to me, this is the manifold wisdom of God being made known. People loving by just giving their time, making their vehicle available, by carrying a box, by being generous with, of heart. It's the little things. The little things, eh? We make God known. The little things. Let me tell you something about a tent. The last thing I'm going to say about the tent. A tent. Peg up. Peg up. Peg up. Can be moved. Easily. Can be moved easily. We're in his hands. We're sojourners. Be open. Some of you folk are going to be in the nation of the world in the next ten years. Five years. There's inheritance for you in the nations. I don't know where, but make sure you're in a tent, not in a a place that can't be moved. That's why I say your career. Some young people, some of us who've got careers, you spoke about it early on. Don't let your career be the end. Let it be the means to showing people what God is like. And finally, dig a well. Dig a well. Man, the Holy Spirit. (laughs) ha! Yes, I love the the work of the person of the Holy Spirit. My life changed from being a very good, solid, Baptist young man to Holy Spirit pursuer. Loving the Holy Spirit. Loving the presence of the Holy Spirit. This Congregation, this church, Living Stones, as it's called, we endeavor to build a house where the Holy Spirit felt most welcome. Where the Holy Spirit brings us His life. Just to yeah. Keep on being filled with this Holy Spirit. Don't just know about the Holy Spirit, allow Him to touch and impregnate your life with the life of jesus without the spirit this place would be four walls would be a shell people but a shell would be like that would be like that army in ezekiel of bones (laughs) without the life of god I love that picture where it ended when, the life of the, when God breathed his breath into those bones. It says they rattled, they came together, all together, and they rose up to become a mighty army. The Holy Spirit. I love him. I love him. Being confident, Philippians 1 verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you We'll carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. Our work will never end until Jesus takes us to be with Him. And then the real worship begins. The work finishes, but the worship continues. You need to take the baton further. There's a work that God has begun here and wants to carry on doing it. Our work, while you're breathing, the very... While you're breathing on this earth, the work of Jesus is incomplete. Hello? While you're breathing, the work of Jesus is incomplete. And it can only be completed in obedience when you live in the life of obedience, in the life of the Holy Spirit. So here I am, 62 years old, going on 63, young. Young, catch me if you can. I say that honestly. Say that honestly. I'm running for Jesus. I want to build faith in you, all of you. Sorry, this side. I'm looking at that side all the time. Hello. I just want to switch this off because I'm landing now. I am landing. I am landing. I am landing. That's a slow land. That's slow land. Caleb, Caleb goes to Joshua. He says, for 40 years. Come on, man, Joshua. I want my high ground for 40 years. I've been wandering around with this unbelieving generation. Give me my high ground. I've been 40 years. I'm still young. I'm still strong. I'm going to give, in fact, give me the giants. That's, where he, that's what he said. The land he wanted was a high ground is where the giants were. So I'm telling you, this is Dion. I want my high ground. Catch me if you can Come with me. Come with us. Come with Steve and the elders Yeah. Come on. There's a journey for us. Will you give your life afresh? Will you light up the fire of passion and say, Jesus, there's incredible inheritance for, to carry on. There's inheritance. Oh, there's a baton that we need to pass on from this generation to the next. To the next. I'm going to land with this story. I won't. I'll leave it there. You understand, really, I'm humbled by being, ah, oh. you see, stop, cancel, cancel, Steve. wasn't too bad, Steve, you understand, really, uh, I wish I could tell you I'm highly gifted, highly talented, but I love the fact that God used me. And Kim in a gifting. And there's something of my heart, I'm trusting just the, what I've shared this this, this afternoon, that's important to you, to encourage you to pick up something of the inheritance that's in here. That's in here, that I'm pouring out to you today, to keep going, to build the altar, to pitch your tent, and to dig that well. Amen? Can I pray for you guys? I think it would be great for me to pray for you. Let's stand together. Is a worship team? I don't know what you're. Okay, not. Okay. Okay, I want to check you out from here. Are you feeling anything prophetically? Feeling anything?
1: Um, I just felt, especially for you young guys, um, Joshua took the people into the promised land, but when he left Egypt, he was with Moses, he was 19, probably about 19 years old, and for 40 years he walked in that desert, but he didn't walk idly, he watched, and he, he watched was being modeled. And he went into, when Moses went into the tabernacle, he went into the tabernacle. When Moses left, he stayed. He tarried. He waited and he watched. He watched the mistakes that were made and he learned from them. And then when Moses, because of his sin, could not take the people into Canaan, he did it. He led the people in. He took the baton from Moses, and he took the people into the promised land. You young guys, take that baton, run with it, learn. There's a people that are following that need to be taken into a promised land.
0: Right, I'm going to just say it as it is. Is there anyone here? Are there visitors here? And we could have music in the background. We don't need music. You don't know Jesus. You don't know the Jesus. I've served this Jesus for more than 50 years. And my passion has not waned. To God be the glory for, because of his mercy. I don't do that with arrogance. What I'm saying is this is so worth it. Knowing Jesus, knowing you've got a purpose in life, Know there's a belonging in God's family. You don't, you're not sure if you're part of God's family? You don't know the Jesus that I know. I'd love to have an opportunity to pray with you and get some guys to pray over you. Is there any of you ones who says I don't know this Jesus? I want to give my life to Jesus afresh. You might have been away from Him for a long time. You might have run away. You might have been on the outskirts, on the on the periphery, but you don't know Him. I'd love to be able to pray a prayer of giving your life to God, of fr- giving your life to God, and dedicating your life to Him. Anyone, raise your hands. I'd love to be able to pray with you. Anyone. I don't want to miss this opportunity. You're all saved. You're all saved. I've got to make sure. I've got to make sure that you're all saved. He's so worth it. You all love Jesus. All of you. Anyone here? Yes. Yes. Father, Father, You have such an incredible story to imprint on our lives.